The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So, Jonah. If I say Jonah and the whale, right? I'm telling you today the story of Jonah is not about Jonah and the whale. You'll see on the top of that note sheet in the back of your program, it's actually about Jonah and the worm. We'll see all about that in just a bit. Uh, Jonah gets this thing from God saying, hey, go over here and tell these people in Nineveh that I'm coming for them. And, and what he asked him to do, we hear that, and we don't know the context of that to understand what's going on here. Jonah doesn't want to do it. Because for Jonah, where he's being asked to go to as a Jewish man is to go today to, to what is today modern-day Iraq, to the capital city up there. I don't know if you studied history or anthropology or sociology or any politics stuff. People in Iraq and Israel don't like each other very much at all. In fact, in some of the history of things, it's been from time to time their stated purpose is to wipe the other one off the face of the earth. They hate each other. So he's asked to do that. It would be like today... If you're a Jewish person, say, in, in during World War II times, the 1940s, living there in New York City, and God comes to you and says, I want you to go to Nazi Germany, go to Berlin, and tell them, tell the Nazis there that I'm going to come and, and flatten and destroy them. How do you suppose that's going to go for a Jew in Nazi Germany? At best, he's being made fun of or mocked or just whatever. At worst, he's going to take him. There's going to, bad stuff is going to happen to him. And so you understand why... Jonah decides, I don't want to do this. Take a look here look at the map up here. We'll tell you kind of what's going on. He's over here in Joppa. He goes down there to the port, and he looks around and goes, okay, I could go one of two places. I can go over here to Nineveh. But then he looks around and goes, hey, look, there's a boat right here going to Tarshish. It's a sign from God. Even though God told him what he to do, he doesn't want to do that, so he decides to go in the opposite opposite direction. Uh, when God speaks clearly, this is the first thing to write down today if you want to, if you're taking notes at all. When God speaks clearly, there's always a boat headed in the wrong direction. If God's telling you to go to Nineveh, there will always be a boat headed to Tarshish. And it will feel so right. You look at it and go, well, I know what God said. I know what the Bible said. I know what wisdom says. But come on. And so he decides that he's going to head in the opposite direction. And when he heads in the opposite direction, whenever you go in the opposite of what God tells you to do, eventually a storm is coming for you. Storm breaks out. He, he's going there. I wonder what today, though, where maybe God is calling into some of our lives, where God has said, hey, Kevin or Julie or Mike or whoever you are today, he said, hey, there's some things I want to have you deal with here. It might be things like it's time to move past bitterness and forgive that person. Maybe you don't trust them all the way yet, but to forgive them, you go, but you have all the reasons why to go, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to live that, let that person live rent-free in my head now, forever and ever, the storm of all that stuff going on up there. It might be certain friends, like, hey, you know what? They just, when we get together, it's not a good thing for us. Well, i got to be careful here with certain relationships, certain friendships we have to be careful about. When it comes to, in our culture, uh, issues of sex and sexuality and dating. Uh, here's what the Bible tells us about sex and sexuality and dating. Don't date naked. And our culture is telling you, you know, you feel it. If, again, you're here at Joppa going, 
but I love him so much. And he or she is so hot and so amazing. And if God hadn't given me these feelings and these urges, so we head off the opposite direction. And you know what happens with that. As I've sat here too often now for 20 years here and another 10, 15 years at a different church watching the storms that happen where people do that and date naked and all of a sudden end up with somebody going, what the was I thinking? You know what? You weren't thinking. There's other words we would use that I can't use at church with what you were doing. Um, maybe it's uh, with money, honesty and generosity with your money, where God says, I want you to be honest about that and quit doing silly things over here to do stuff, or maybe generosity, you get a chance to do some of that today with our party with a purpose. And maybe it's not even just to just stop doing bad things and start doing good things. Sometimes God's saying, hey, that coworker of yours, that neighbor of yours, who are you going to invite to come and see what God's doing at the church you're a part of? Maybe it's you're going to get a chance here at Party with a Purpose today. Some of the people that have ministries that are right here in our region doing great work here, they're not connected to our church. We didn't start these. They're outside the walls of our church. You should go check out these things that are going on here and find a way to plug in and jump into some of those things. It'll just move your heart. There's little punch card things you're going to get if you get enough punch cards or you get five free tickets. But it'd be good for you to go talk to these people and find out things that are going on. Sometimes it's too like stuff like missions, God's going to put something on your heart he wants you to do. And it's going to be like, yeah, but it's easier to go to Tarshish than it is to go to Nineveh. It's, it's more of a challenge and it's difficult. It's going to make me uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And it'll feel so right to do it. And we see here in chapter 1, verse, at the end of verse 5, it says, all this time in the midst of a storm that's going on, Jonah was sound asleep. In the storm, down on a boat, in the ship. And I feel like sometimes, too, if we're not careful here, I don't think it's a big problem for us here at Cross Point, but it is something we ought to pay attention to. Because if we're not careful, I mean, look at this. We're sitting here in air conditioning today in blue, comfortable chairs. We, we probably stopped at Starbucks today and got a 4 or 5 or $18 beverage, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the, what the markup is on stuff like that. But there's that kind of comfort and pleasure and security. And so we can be asleep in the midst of the storms that are going on. And one of the reasons why uh, I had this conversation in my small group about this a couple weeks ago. They sometimes go, Steve, you get a little too ugh at times. And so the reason why I'm a little ugh at times is because all hell's breaking loose in people's life. I don't have time to sit down with you and go, can we just have a conversation today? Let's just talk. No, man, all hell's breaking loose. The church of Jesus Christ, called to be a kingdom outpost, not just a church, needs to wake up. And goes a storm going on out there. We can't be asleep at the wheel. And sometimes what happens, we'll be unaware and oblivious to it because we're the distractions of our life. Uh, it's, it can be a little bit like, uh, I heard a guy, we talked about this uh, several months ago in our series through Revelation, that we sometimes feel like, Satan and demons are real, and here's what happens. We feel like in America, in the last two or three years, some of you have said to me, we're being attacked by Satan. Can I tell you right now? No, we're not. You being forced to wear a mask or not gather at a restaurant or a movie theater was not an attack of Satan. It was now it was inconvenience, and it may have been stupid, dumb, ridiculous things by our government. I'm not here to argue with you about that. Send your emails to Beth at GoToCrossPoint.com. <laughs> But I'm, but I'm telling you this, what's happening in America, there's a guy that he was um, 
born and raised in Iraq, became a Christian there. And being a Christian in Iraq, it doesn't work real well for you there. It was a challenging, difficult thing. He moved to America and was here for about five, six, seven years. And he said, I had to move back to get my family out of harm's way. Because what's happening in America is you're being lulled to sleep by a satanic lullaby. You know, some of you remember moms. Maybe, you, maybe your mom didn't do this to you. I'm not sure my mom ever did this to me because she never told me. She's sitting right here, so I don't make fun of her at all. But, <laughs> but you know, her kids are like all wrapped up here. And what do you do? You get the, the bottle and you put a little bit of the secret sauce in it. <laughs> the little purple juice. Yeah, she never did that. Yeah. She says she didn't. Um, and so we do that. It's to get everybody to calm down. So what's going to do? God's going to rouse you to do something. He's going to go... I have a call in your life. I want you to move out of some area here. I want you to move into obedience from disobedience. I want God to use you to impact your friends, your neighborhoods, your coworkers. I want you to see you do something great for God. It's going to be. And Satan's going to pat you in the head and go, just shh, go back to sleep. It's okay. Just shh, shh. No attack is coming. We're being lulled to sleep. And, jo- and Jonah there is fast asleep in a boat that's in the middle of a storm in harm's way. There's a quote by a famous pastor named Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I'm going to move a little bit off there so somebody should take a picture of this quote. It's so good. It says this, Jonah was asleep amid all that confusion and noise, and for you to be indifferent to all that is going on in such a world as this, for you to be negligent of God's work in such a time as this is just as strange. The devil alone is making noise enough to wake all the Jonas if they only want him awake. All around us there is tumult and storm, yet some professing Christians are able, like Jonah, to go to sleep in the sides of a ship. Now again, guys, I'm not telling you today, today that I think you, we as a church collectively, I don't think we do this. I think we're pretty roused up and awake to all this stuff. And I think we're, we're doing fairly well with this, but it's so easy as we experience success and more people come, and there's more budget and more dollars and all that, to finally go, and here's what will happen too. You'll get down to the port where you're standing there, and there's the boat that's going to the place where God told you to go to Nineveh, another boat going over here to Joppa, or over to Tarshish, and you know what? Somebody else could do that. Somebody else can go do that. That's probably not for me right now. God's going to have a calling, so it's very easy just to be asleep. Now it says here, look at verse 7 now. The story continues, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to, to you to stop this storm? You know what's happening here with Jonah and these sailors? These sailors are innocent bystanders. Have these sailors done anything to cause this storm? They just got in the boat and got in there. This crazy storm blows. You know whose fault it is? Jonah's fault. Super important. Uh, over the years, having done this for a while now, people will say things when you confront them about the sin of their life or the foolishness and stupidity of their life. It'll be like, oh, come on, Steve. It's, it's really not hurting anybody. It's just my thing. I, you know, it's just not, it's, it, if I want to do that, I'm going to do that. 
Write this down today. Private sin ain't. Private sin isn't private. It always impacts innocent people. Some of you know all too well about this, being raised around alcohol and drug addiction and the, the consequences of when families blow up and the crazy stuff that goes on. Shoot, some of you have been part of churches where a few people there just did some private sin. You know what that did? It blew the whole thing up. So private sin never is private. Now, Jonah does a good thing here, finally. <laughs> they ask, what should we do to stop this storm? And he doesn't blame them. He doesn't talk about navigating around. He says, throw me into the sea. <laughs> It'll become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. 100% responsibility for the mess he finds himself in. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, Oh, Lord, no longer crying to their false gods, like they're crying out to the one true God. Uh, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you've sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. A quick side note of this. Sometimes the crazy, nasty stuff going on in your life, you know what it's for? It's not for you. It's God's going to use your life, create a storm in your life over here, and he's going to do something amazing and powerful and stop it, not for your benefit, for, the, for a watching world that wants to know, is this stuff really true? Is God really true? So that's what happens with these guys here. It says now, verse 17, the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This is where the Jonah and the whale thing comes along. And again, we hear this story, and we imagine, remember one of the great films of all time, The Born Identity? Remember this scene in Born Identity? The opening scene, Matt Damon's out there floating in the ocean, and then you know what happens to rescue him? A boat comes along. I'm going, God, you could have sent another boat. They're in a shipping lane here. Why don't you send a boat to get him? God sends a whale. And because, again, we've... Uh, been Disney-fied in America when it comes to Bible stories. We imagine Jonah and the whale like this. Oh, just, you know, this, it's the whale, and it's kind of dangerous, but you can just kind of hang out in there and go fishing and, uh, and see what happens there. Jonah got swallowed by a whale, and when Jonah got swallowed by a whale, I am telling you, he did not feel like God rescued him. It did not feel like rescue. For you to get swallowed by a whale, you know what you think? And, and now he's in there alive three days and three nights in the digestive cavity of a large sea animal. And I don't know if you guys have studied biology and paid attention to stuff. The digestive juices and acids that are inside of you and inside of big creatures would jack you up and make a mess out of you. And he's inside of there, and it tells us there in chapter 2 that he prays to God, he confesses his sin, and he's getting right with God. You know why he's getting right with God? Because he thinks he's about to meet him. He thinks this is life. I'm, I'm done. And so... Uh, he, he gets all there. Here, write this down today. Man, mercy is often messy. You're going to find yourself from time to time in a storm in your life. Sometimes it's a storm that you caused. Sometimes it's a storm that somebody else caused. And we sometimes imagine, well, God, I'm so sorry. I confessed my sin. And we want a little cruise ship to come along and pull us out of the ocean and give us a little latte and put towels around us and put us in a jacuzzi and get a massage because we went through a difficult time. Man, sometimes it's going to feel like you're inside the digestive cavity of a whale. Some of you know about that. Man, you went through some stuff in your life. It was awful and nasty. And getting out of it, 
You're on the other side of it now, but man, it was gross and nasty and terrifying at times. Uh, Mercy can often be very messy. And so it tells us the end of chapter 2. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I want to see that YouTube someday. This guy, the, the, the whale swims up on the shore and comes spilling out onto the beach. And then it says, chapter 3, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. Now Jonah has a decision to make right here. Some of you know the end of the story. Don't skip ahead. Did he want to go to Nineveh in the first place? So he went the wrong way, but God rescued him, got saved out of it. Okay, I'm through the mess and got myself dried up and I feel feel pretty good right now. And now he has another choice to make here. God's come a second time and said, are you going to listen to me this time? Write this down, let me unpack this for you. Don't squander your second chance. Don't squander your second chance. I want you to see something in the uh, book of 2 Peter. Keep something here in Jonah. We're not done here. Uh, 2 Peter's all the way past all the books of the Gospels and stuff. In fact, go to Revelation and just turn backwards is the best way to find it. Revelation, you'll find the books of 2 and 3 John and 1 John and then 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, And when the people... When people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the commands they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returned to its vomit. Another says a washed pig returns to the mud. He says, look, you've been given a second chance. And I don't know how many people I'm talking to today. There's at least five of you where you came through some nasty, gross, terrible stuff. And maybe you're on the other side of it right now. And you have a choice to go, okay, I'm going to do something different this time. I'm not going to, I'm going to do dating different. I'm going to do money different. I'm going to do do family and parent. I'm going to do some things differently here. And it's really easy to be like the dog that goes back to its vomit. Now, you have dogs. Dogs are disgusting animals. Because dogs and dogs go back and eat their vomit. They eat the other stuff too. They're they're awful. They're amazing creatures, but they're ridiculous. And we look at them and go, oh, that's so gross and disgusting. God goes, yeah, but you're doing the same thing. I rescue you out of something. I got you through the mess. I got you through to the other side. And you're going to go back and date a guy like that again? You're going to go back and do sexuality and sex the same way you did it before? You're going to do money the way... Go into debt again after you went through all the financial peace stuff and got yourself all cleaned up and go back and blow the thing up again. It's like, you're making me crazy. And the angel's got to be going, what's wrong with those people down there? So we wonder, what's Jonah going to do? And he does the right thing. This, another pivot point here. It says, this time, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Sometimes the consequences of what we go through make me go, okay, I can't screw with God this time. i got to do the right thing here. So a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, don't keep reading here. Don't skip ahead. This message that God tells Jonah to bring is not the message that you oftentimes hear at a church or by a pastor or a priest. It's not turn or burn. You know what Jonah's message is? Burn. 
God is coming to dismantle this thing. He has had it with you. It is over for you once and for all. God's done with you. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. That's why they would show not just ordinary sadness and sorrow, little tissue, but they were, they were really freaked out by this. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. This is serious repentance and fasting and prayer. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? I have this bolded in my Bible, underlined bolded. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Had God said he was willing to change his mind to Jonah? No, it's not like, hey, if you change, if you get your act together, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll turn this thing around. He's like, no, you're done. When God saw what they had done, how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he, and this puts my mind on so that I don't get it, those of you that are theologically smarter than I am, again, Beth, go to crosspoint.com. He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So you're saying, Steve, God can change his mind. I'm not saying it. God said it. Jeremiah, a few, a few pages back in your Bible, on the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18, talks about it there. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. I think it will be up here on this screen as well. He says this. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. Write this down today. Our prayers and actions can actually change things. Actually change things. Even if you feel like, no, God said that's it, and you do this, and boom, boom, you're done. God says, you never know what's going to happen here. And they don't come with him going, okay, God, we said we were sorry. We put on sackcloth and ashes. You owe us. They said, we don't know what God's going to do, but we're sorry for what we've done. Maybe God will change his mind on that, and he certainly does. And it says he doesn't bring out the destruction he had threatened. And this is where, quite honestly, the book of Jonah should end right here. This is like the crazy story, right? Jonah rejects God, goes in the whale, but eventually gets up to Nineveh. He preaches this message, and the whole city says, we're sorry, God. And they all lived happily ever after. It was awesome and amazing. And that's why I told you the story's not about Jonah and the whale. It's about Jonah and a worm. Because this story ends so crazy. It ends all unresolved. Yeah, you like that up there? Yeah. Look at chapter 4 now. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Not great joy, like look what God used me to rescue thousands of people from destruction. Greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say, didn't I say before I left home that you do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a, and he's quoting lines from the Bible, a merciful and compassionate God. Yada, yada, yada. Slow, get angry. And filled with unfailing love, you're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predict won't happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? 
Jonah's all upset because what he threatened didn't happen. And then God asked him, hey, man, you're all freaked out about this. Come on, Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry at this? You know what Jonah's response is? You're dang right it is. You told me to go there and do something I did not want to do. You put me in the middle of a storm in the belly of a whale. You got me there. I did what you said, and you lied to me. Because what you said happened did not happen. And he's frustrated. He's angry. I would probably be the same way too. I'm a little tightly wound like that. I did exactly what you said, God, and the thing you said would happen. Now is it going to happen? He's frustrated, and he's angry. We have to watch out for this in our life. It's a very dangerous virus that gets in our souls, especially as, uh, 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 well, actually everybody has this, but people in the evangelical church today, especially in America, we're very prone to this. It's called SRV, self-righteous virus. Self-righteous virus is this. Receivers of mercy reject it for others. Receivers of mercy, look at Jonah. Had God been merciful to him like crazy? When he says no, he could have just killed him right in the ocean. He could have let the whale just digest him slowly. (laughs) And yet, when God wants to show mercy to other people, he wants none of it. And see, here's the deal with this. As you think about self-righteous people today, you know what's happening in your mind right now? You're thinking about, I know someone like this. You know who the someone you know like this is? You looked at them in the mirror this morning brushing your teeth. You know, again, and liberals do this about conservatives. Conservatives do about liberals. It's the rebellious people do about religious people. Religious people, here's here's self-righteous virus. It's what the guy in the temple said one time. Oh, God, I thank you I'm not like them. And here's the crazy thing. Um, There is this. I hope I don't offend anybody today because you probably use this phrase. I have, so I stomp on my own feet with this today, this week, before I'm going to stomp on your feet today. There's this little phrase out there, and it's, it's well-intentioned, but it's this. It's, love the sinner, hate the sin. Can I kindly ask you today as followers of Jesus Christ to shut the hole in your skull and love the sinner and hate your own dang sin? Because, guys, we, have this, we do this little, tri- little phrase out there, and we think, okay, I love the sinner, but I can go, I hate this and hate this. God goes, how about the church of Jesus Christ starts dealing with their own sin? If we deal with our own sin and righteousness, we would change the world, and we'd be w- way more attractive to the outside world, which is kind of crazy because we're trying to get people who aren't yet Christians yet to behave like Christians. Jesus goes, you morons, what's wrong with you? Of course they're not going to behave like Christians because they're not one yet. How about you get serious about holiness and you hate your own sin and quit going on and blog and post and tweet and all that kind of stuff. I better stop or I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> this is why the song we're going to sing today is come to the altar. It's not oh, come to the altar. I know some people need to come to the altar. Maybe it's I need to come to the altar. I've got some stuff in my own heart and soul I need to deal with. So Jonah goes out there. Look at verse uh, chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Jonah went out to the east side of the city. And made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what happened in the city. This is the preschooler stomping off in the timeout. Just mad. I'm going to go sit out here, see if maybe I got the timing wrong. Maybe God's going to do something here. See if he's going to come in. Maybe it's not 40 days. Maybe it's going to be 60 days. And who knows what the time frame is. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. 
This eased his discomfort. This is not just physical discomfort, but emotional, mental anguish, shade. And Jonah's very grateful for the plant. I imagine God had like misters on the vine that he grew up there. And there was probably Wi-Fi there. And he had he could, could binge watch some, some new show that's there on Netflix or something like that. Just sip on a on an iced beverage with little umbrellas in it or something from Starbucks, uh, a triple soy foam latte, whatever. Takes the edge off and he's going, oh, I feel so good right now. But God, look at verse 7. God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, the same question he asked him before, is it right for you to be angry about this? Because the plant died? Yes, Jonah said, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry. You feel all, ugh, about this plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city. Jonah's angry. He's angry because God saves some evil people, and now he's angry because his comfort and convenience has been threatened. And again, guys, this is not like he lost his job. Somebody, he got a, a significant medical diagnosis. This is not like you got fired from a job. or you're, I mean, like, This is not crazy, awful stuff. This is just like the Wi-Fi went down. Uh, this is like they run out of coffee. We run out of coffee here from time to time. When you go to your coffee places and they, oh, I can't, they don't have my, my flavor, my thing. They ran out of that sauce today. The traffic in lane closures on the 15 at ridiculous times. You've been down there as so you commute down and that thing closes down. What are they doing here? And how long is it going to take them that we get all, oh, about this? For me, where I get, oh, about stuff is, it just has my wife because she's here today. She'll tell you in vivid details. Um, fixing things. The break around the house. And not like crazy, terrible stuff, like just putting a screen back in where the little sprinkler thing got a little knocked out of thing and just go put a little, take the thing off and put it back on there. Ah! Freaking about it, stuff like that. And I thought, thought about that. I thought like restaurants that aren't open, they're supposed to be open. I was talking to a guy who's our small group. His name's Mike. Um, and he told me I could share his story. He said during COVID, he's a crazy tennis player, loves to play tennis, and said they closed down tennis courts here in Temecula. They had them zip-tied in some cases or locks put on them. He said he was so angry and frustrated by it. One time he said, I got out there and I got little cutters and I cut the snips off and went there and played tennis. I was just so mad and frustrated by all this. And guys, I'm not even telling you anything wrong with being mad and frustrated. I'm just saying, Do we hear the voice of God here at the point of what, what he's telling, asking Jonah here? Because you guys get all riled up and frustrated about just your comfort and convenience. Is, is there any level of emotion about lost people who I care about? And guys, I think we're doing a good job with it. I think here we're doing this party with a purpose. It would be much easier to not do a party with a purpose. Much, much easier. But we do this because we care about lost people. We care about these ministries that are reaching people we may be never going to reach as a church to put money where our mouth is and really do some, something significant here. Um, and then God says to Jonah, these people who are living in spiritual darkness, you'll see in your Bibles, it says people who don't know their right hand from their left. 
Guys, can I tell you today, when it comes to looking at the world around us, especially, guys, there's people in the world right now that have lost their minds, that are, that are perpetrating stuff that's evil and sinful and terrible. You need to understand something here. God says, the reason you're wicked is because you're stupid. This is what Jesus says on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. Not forgive them because they're a bunch of evil jacked up. You know what he says? Because they don't know what they're doing. We're clueless. So much. Think about the number of things you've done in your life. You go, that wasn't because I was evil. I was just dumb. And oftentimes stupidity ends up the same place sinful does. So he, he says, would you have some compassion for people and see them as lost, not just as evil and jacked up and terrible? Some questions today to wrestle with. Are you down at the port of Joppa? And God's made something very clear to you either today or in your life where he's been challenging on something. You go, I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to go over here. Here's the question. Where am I going opposite of where God said to go? And is it time to go? It's time to get, don't get on the boat. (laughs) Don't get on the boat, go in the opposite direction. This is maybe a warning call for some people. But where am I going the opposite way? And again, if you're going the opposite way, what you do with that is then you confess it to God and go, like Jonah does in the way, like, I, God, I'm a jacked up mess. I can't believe I did this dumb thing again. I'd encourage you during uh, the time here, just a couple of minutes here, our prayer team will be at the back, right back there in the back corner of the room. You may have some stuff you need to deal with today. That God's put something in your heart to say, it's time for me to come clean with some of this stuff. To say, like, I'm doing some stupid stuff here. I want to turn around. The other one is, the second question here is, am I squandering a second chance? It's not the main point of Jonah, but it's, it's so important because it's so easy when God gives a second chance and we get out of the mess and the crisis to go, we Britney Spears it. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> and then the main point, I think, the story of Jonah here today is not about Jonah and the whale and that God loves evil, wicked people and wants to save them. You know what the main story is? It's this. Am I half as troubled about people as I am about my problems or my comfort? Is there any level of mm, going there? And guys, I feel like we're doing this here. This party with the purpose that we're doing today is all about that, that we're troubled about this. Let's do something about this. Let's just sit here and go, oh, isn't that too bad? Let's take some sacrifices, make some decisions out here. Uh, to do that, and um, we're going to sing some songs today about this. Our band's going to come up right now, and we're going to sing some songs about this. Our God looked at our world like he looked at Nineveh, and doesn't just see Nineveh and go, shouldn't I feel compassion for Nineveh? You know what God did? He looked at a world full of people who were lost and broken, you and I, don't know our right hand from our left. And you might be a rebellious person that did that or a religious person thinking, well, if I just behave enough, God has to take me. Uh-uh. You don't know, you're confused. You don't know your right hand from your left. And God saw our mess, and he didn't just say, I feel sorry for that city. He took action. And he didn't just send a prophet down here to yell at us and warn us and go, come on, get right with God. You know what he did? He didn't just send himself. He sent his child to take the penalty that the rebels deserved. Guys, there's some people here, for you, people in our world, even people here, that if I could do something to save you, 
I might do that for you. Even if you made a mess out of things, okay, God tells us to whatever. There's not one of you I would give my child's life for. Not one of you. And some of you are awesome people. Not one of you is my kid dying for you. And God did the crazy, this is the song we're going to sing today, the crazy reckless love of giving his child to die for us. Which is why every week we want to keep your focus on Christ and not on your brokenness and not on your sin. Come to tables of communion today. In the four corners of the room, it's bread and juice symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. Where he didn't just feel sorry for us and just pat us on the head and go, oh, too bad for you. He took the action that we needed to save us. Come receive prayer. Come sing these songs. Jesus, we love you today. God, just in my spirit right now, I feel like a lot of us need to be encouraged today. Not convicted and not feel like, oh, I'm messing. I think we're doing a pretty good job with this here. God, keep us. Just remind us again to keep our focus off of ourselves and off of just our personal comfort and what we want. And keep our focus fixed firmly on you. And then to see the world the way you see it. Full of lost, broken people who don't know this from that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.